0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, The BearCast. We're back to wrap up the Cal football season. This is my second podcast today in about three hours. So, He's got the fever. I mean, will these be all released on the same day too? So you can kind of say. I wish. I wish it was, but I don't. I, I kind of want to stretch it out just so we have like a good amount of content that goes out later this week. Did you but, change your Twitter
2: description yet? I have not. Podcaster number one.
1: <laughs> Jeez.
2: The MV reason and most valuable podcaster. Oh yeah. Most, most
1: <laughs> the reason I have it as that is because uh, a few of us play this game called Destiny, and there's a there's a there's a little thing in the game where there are six levers and we play with all six and all of us now know which lever to pull to to unlock the shortcut door which is why I put I pull lever number I think 4 uh-huh. and so if you if you look up all six of us all of us have it in our our thing I pull lever 1 I pull lever 6 like it we've we all had it I'm just
3: thinking of the one scene from uh Emperor's New Groove <laughs> pull the lever croak <laughs>
2: So, Rob, do you want to give us a brief basketball update? In what
3: would you one like to know? How about let's not. <laughs> this is a
1: football podcast. I'm here
3: for football. <laughs>
1: All right. This is Trace, by the way. You know who I. Am. So Andy's here, of course, and our, our lovely Andy That's and me. Uh, and Trace, our co-founder of this podcast sure i was kind of here yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think founder is a little strong you're the founder no, i was you just and I, kind of involved. well you and i you and i did it we started it together yeah so yeah. um yeah. so yeah so trace is here cal rivals yep Woohoo! we're gonna talk about the cal football season and maybe look forward to a little of next year
3: all right let's gear ourselves up then so it's gonna let's, be a
1: doozy yeah so let's <laughs> I'm not going to talk about basketball because by by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure you've already listened to the basketball podcast that me, Reef, and Nick did. So you can just uh, listen to our sorrows <laughs> in that podcast because we are definitely – that podcast was depressing, the one that just it's recorded. It's dark. It's real dark. It's real dark and depressing. So we'll talk football, um, and we'll talk about this this first season under Justin Wilcox, which I think we can all – unequivocally agree that it was a success i don't think there's any person out there that's going to look at this season and go no that oh there's films. plenty of people yeah. but you're not going <laughs> to listen to them there's been actually a lot of negative me, critiques that i didn't expect to be out before of. i before i delve into this what's the craziest thing that you guys have read on a message board or on a comment regarding wilcox
3: it's not really wilcox it's mostly baldwin yeah it's Understandable because the offense wasn't at the level that it
1: was expected to this year, but there are plenty of reasons for that, which we will go okay. over and lay out. I think the one for me that I found the most was that someone on our on our board um, under I think one of the Baldwin articles, like when he was linked with Oregon State, was that they wanted Mark Helfrich as uh, head coach over Wilcox.
3: Oh <laughs> yeah, actually, that's the dumbest thing I think I've seen. <laughs> Like, he just ran a program into the ground.
1: Yeah. Why? He's a really good offensive coordinator. No, I'll he's, give a, him that. he's a good but offensive
3: coordinator. He's a great play caller. Yeah, but as uh, a head coach, no. no. He's a good person, too. But, you know, that Tom Homo was a good person.
1: <laughs> All right, let's get into it. I want your guys' thoughts. Generally speaking, as the season, your thoughts as a whole. We'll start with Trace.
3: I mean, you know, it was successful in the fact that they kind of they laid out what kind of picture they want on both sides of the ball. Offensively, you want want to be multiple. That's Baldwin's whole MO. You want to use different formations. You want to get guys into a position to succeed by using multiple formations and looks and all kinds of stuff in that regard. And defensively, you want to be opportunistic, whether that means forcing turnovers, getting sacks, getting negative plays, and stopping big plays and just keeping everything in front of you and to a certain extent they did that obviously it, they're 5 and 7 and they had three very close games that could that they lost so they we could be sitting here they could have been 8 and 4 and headed to like the Foster Farms bowl or something like that but we're not they still have a long way to go as far as where they need to be and there's a myriad of reasons for that which we'll cover. So,
2: Andy, yeah, that was a really good answer. Um I do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely shows. So, I think for me, as you look at where we were, if we were like just rewind time, and we have a podcast, Rob, you and I were on it, and then Trace, like definitely you as well. Like the transition from the Dykes era to the first year of Wilcox, like what we asked for. We wanted young coaches that were dynamic recruiters. We wanted to see a a serious step level improvement in the defense, uh, and maintain, be able to make ease the transition on offense by having Baldwin come in, and you know maybe not lose all of the elements of the air raid, Mm -hmm. and at least defensively, we made just the most amazing strides that I think like. I don't think anyone out there was predicting us to make that big of a leap with Mm-mm. the same personnel, and so for me, a, a lot of the enthusiasm that I have going into next year stems from that specifically. Like that was, we have very few players that I think you can plug into that system mm-hmm. and say that they were definitively different from the Dykes era, yeah. and we just got so much better in so many different ways. And then you have the young guys like the Bynums and Elijah Hicks, and you look to the future of that, and it's like. Um, so I walk away being really optimistic with that. I think Trace, it's going to be a really good balance because you have a little bit more of the realism that I think I lack, uh, because I tend to get on the optimistic (laughs) side of things.
3: It's never bad to be an optimist about this. So, you know, they,
2: the coaches are optimistic. So you're kind of like them. Yeah, (laughs) But I, I look at it and when I look at the eight and four stuff and then specifically the Arizona call to go for it, I'm still, I'm still in the camp of like, I like it. I wish it worked out yeah. would have been cool same but here with the coaching off season that's happened and this might lead us too far away that mm-hmm. already I'm kind of happy that we're not eating for yeah. because then a Nebraska might have actually come banging down with 20 million dollars and said hey Wilcox come over here or I mean yeah. and, and, and you know it's just one of those Corner. things like where do you think Baldwin would have ended up if he had like it let oh, yeah. a team to eight and four that He'd was probably
3: be at Oregon State right now. Yeah. And I I'm not sure what exactly happened with that. I have a theory, but we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that.
2: Yeah. So all in all, season as to where it was, like definitely d- disappointed offense like with the offense, but it's really hard to be more disappointed than than just simply that, I think. Because if you're angry about it, then you're not being realistic with the personnel we had and huh. the losses that we endured on that side of the football.
3: It's like the end of Empire Strikes Back where he's looking at his new hand. Yeah, he lost a hand, but, you know, he's going to get something back. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the right you know, <laughs> that's metaphor right. here. But
1: <laughs> I think it was, for me, it was just one of those weird situations as the season progressed. Everyone's expectations suddenly changed. hmm you started off the season where everyone was like, we expected to be a, a, a three-win team. That's what a lot of media polls projected us. And all of a sudden, we're 3-0 and oh to start the year. We had already met that quota. Mm-hmm. Now, now with those now three you're games, playing with house money. Exactly. Now everyone's expectations get heightened. And then, then the season ends on, I dare say, a flat note, as mm-hmm. it did. Then the fans are now upset because they're playing with the emotions of how they felt after the 3-0 start. Mm-hmm. But you take away that emotion and you look back at the whole season as a whole and you're expected to win three games. You end up winning five. Mm-hmm. Three of those games came down to a, a, one score or less. Yeah. That's one hell of a great first season. Mm-hmm. So it's it's unrealistic for, I think, a lot of people to come out and say, uh, yeah, they underperformed. Mm, they They really didn't. If anything – if anything, they overperformed, and if they even if they did overperform, that bodes well because it's not all seniors that just overperformed off of experience. It's all yeah. these young guys that played well that'll develop further going into next year. And take this as a thought experiment.
3: So go back to about late July before Pac Twelve Media Day, before Fall Camp, before everything, and your projected uh, you have guys like Zionda Johnson, Cam Saffel, Devontae Downs, Evan Rambo, Ray Hudson, Trey Watson, Dem- Demetrius Robertson. Robertson. I could go on. That's just seven of the guys they missed the most time. I mean, you can talk about guys like Cam Good and how he missed the last half of the season or other in that regard. I'm having trouble remembering names of all the people that were injured because there were 12 of them. <laughs> Twelve scholarship players who went down with injuries during this season,
1: who are on the two deep. Team. Yeah,
3: for the for the most, most part, part, except for Billy McCrary and um, which I think Daniel Suarez.
1: Well, for for McCrary, sorry, this is inter- interjecting, but for me, McCrary would have been that third back in. Oh, opinion. yeah, yeah, he would have gotten in there along
3: with Eccles and Clark. Honestly, I thought Eccles would have played a lot more than he did this season, but you know, is what it is. There, there were a lot of injuries that affected a lot of things that affected how they played, and that's not even keeping in mind like Aaron Cochran leaving and Dwayne Wallace getting tick- kicked off the team. You're losing offensive line there, and while the offensive line got a lot better as the season went on, you know you're still losing a good like twenty twenty five starts from that group of people. So you're coming in with only. 16 total starts on the offensive line. And now you've gotten people in there. You've played a lot more guys. You got to got a couple of freshmen in there to play more and you're more set there for f- the future when you're bringing in a five offensive lineman class like they are now. But you need this was the year to basically say, "Hey, show us what you can do." And you found the guys that are going to play for the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think that's a great transition to, to, to go into the offensive side of the ball, and we'll, let's talk about the offensive side of the ball and how they performed this year. Lost a, a few key guys that would have really helped us uh, down the stretch with Trey Watson. But, you know, if you look at it in hindsight, if Trey hadn't gotten injured, we might not have found Patrick Laird.
3: That's future New England Patriots <laughs> running back Patrick Laird. That's his name now.
1: Um, and, you know, you lose a guy like D-Robb. Who arguably is not arguably, he is our fastest and best deep threat. And you take that away. Who knows what would have happened if you had him running those stretch routes, taking the D B or safety away mm-hmm. and having countervite kind of Noah with a lot more space to operate right mm-hmm. over the gaps in the middle. So
3: And when defenses are were keying on Noah in the last three or four games of the year, you
1: think he definitely oh, saw okay. it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's uh I wanna I wanna hear your guys' thoughts about the offense as whole. I know Andy has a lot to say about the offense as Let's start with Andy because I feel like I've been talking too much to start. We also know what Andy's gonna say. At least I know one of the key things he's gonna say. And, and so.
3: I will provide a counterpoint to that.
1: So go ahead. <laughs> All right.
2: So number one, make your field goals.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um don't disagree there.
2: Yeah, I know I think it's You know, the offensive side of the ball, I still come away with being pretty impressed with. I think you guys nailed it. Like, Patrick Laird came out of nowhere. The way we were able to really dominate Stanford on the ground um, and then, like, UCLA is not as impressive because they're awful against the run, but we just – we played so damn well against Stanford. I I have a hard time being too critical. It's just we had several games, and we had a player on our team that legitimately lost us those games, and we had games – where we had to play on our team that also helped us win those games. And I think, like, I hold – I look at this and I, like, look at a quarterback position and say, my biggest complaint is not, in the, is not really with the key plays that lost those games. Mm-hmm. It's mainly the missed opportunities that I saw in, u- at UCLA when we have open receivers that are running downfield. Because at first it was like, we can't pass because our receivers can't get separation. Mm-hmm. In reality, our receivers are getting separation. The ball was either behind them or overthrown. Most often, I saw it in overthrows. And Stanford was play; it was an excellent game. And even Bowers achieved a lot of efficiency in that game. But the passes that he missed were the ones that would have resulted in the biggest plays of the night. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, like that was the biggest frustration. Was that you know, and like what, like unrealistic expectations aside, like. Even actually, you can't really throw those aside. I have unrealist expectations for a year one starter (laughs) at quarterback. Ross played very well (laughs) given that. First year in a system, fine. However, I just, for me, like there's nothing that drives me more insane than watching a quarterback that can't pass to a guy on the numbers i was watching wisconsin game last night and i was like this quarterback sucks like i don't like watching they missed four straight rb screens <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's absurd ridiculous. and it's so frustrating um because at the college level i think the standard is is a mm-hmm. lot less um so anyways i think like offense as a whole i'd actually grade very well i did not want to see baldwin leave whatsoever no and um i'm very happy that it seems like he's sticking around and Seems, we'll have that seems con, is the key word here. Yeah.
3: No, with, with this coaching
1: carousel, he's
2: sticking
3: around right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like,
2: he's basically
3: the guy who got uh, Johnny Adams to uh, commit today. So, you yeah, so you can read some of our commitment pieces on calrivals.com. Or <laughs> oh, cal.rivals.com.
1: Okay. Such a fast <laughs> plug. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, I have to get better at this. How did you, how did you like, even manage to squeeze that in? I didn't even see that coming no, 15 no. minutes in. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Turn the hamsters running real fast in the wheel in my head right now. So all
1: right, Trace, your thoughts about the offense? Okay,
3: it, I actually I agree with a lot of what Andy said. Is that yeah, he said Ross Bowers was a first year starter and he made a lot of mistakes that he shouldn't have made. And some of that comes with the territory, you know. You're going to have bad games, and some of them were he was. There are other occasions where he was ridiculously fan, fantastic and efficient, like. I think the looking back on the North Carolina game, how well he did in that one and finding guys in space. And I think the Pat, he threw a touchdown pass in that one to Jordan Duncan for their, for the go ahead score that I think was one of the best passes he threw all year, which is aside from that. It's a, that play is directly lifted from a play in NCAA football 14, <laughs> Like uh, quads play, it's like inside crosses or something like that. It's that exact play. You can look it up. But he he did a lot of good things, and Baldwin molded the offense around him more and more because you saw last five weeks or so, they ran so many more RPOs, so many more rollouts. It takes advantage of his skill set. It takes advantage of the fact that, hey, he's not... Well, may not take advantage of, but uses the fact that, hey, he's not a guy who's going to make like four different progressions very quickly. He's going to be a guy that's basically read here, read there, read there, and boom, get it out quick because he has a quick release. And they did more and more of that. That helped him a ton against Oregon State. He killed them that way. It kept him efficient against Stanford up until the one deep ball interception, which he shouldn't have thrown. And it I mean it didn't really help against UCLA, but he started catching fire late, which he needed to catch fire a half quarter earlier and they would have won. But I I've expressed this belief before that I don't think he's going to be the starter next year, but I think he did a ton of good things. And he's only the fifth quarterback to throw for three thousand yards in Cal history. Wow. So The other four are Goff, Webb, Longshore, and I believe Dave Barr. I could be wrong on that last one. It's either him or Pat Barnes, but he's he was productive, and he needed to be for a group that maybe wasn't as explosive or prolific as what we've seen in the past few years. But he did what was needed, and that's kind of what you'd expect out of a QB in a first-year system. So.
1: So let's stay on the offensive side and I wanna I wanna venture forth into unknown territory here. Oh boy. We're, we're gonna go predictive. Okay. All right. How do you guys see this offensive or the offense evolving or changing going into next year? What are your expectations for the offense next season? Knowing that full on that we'll have we will most likely have Watson back for a fifth year and mm. Laird back as a senior as well. So we have a we have a two headed running back monster mm-hmm. at with seniors and then we have the entire offensive line that's back with no one leaving and ray hudson possibly coming back being the starting tight end that's a little less likely less, yeah but uh yeah and then d rob of course coming back with all our wide receivers
4: mm.
1: except for jordan vc but yeah yeah except for vc so i
3: i guess i'll start i I think that Brandon McIlwain is going to be the starting quarterback next year just because I thought he would have been the starting quarterback this year had he been eligible. He's a good runner. He may not be the best thrower, but there's so much that opens up with a running quarterback when they have to respect that, hey, this guy could take off on the outside. And he has good speed. He has, dare I say, SEC speed. He he can he can make a move to the outside. Well, I mean he did play in the SEC. Exactly, year. that's what I'm going for here. That's why I put so much emphasis on it. But isn't the Pac-12
1: known for speed? No, well, they
3: <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're the conference of champions, if you understand, Bill Walton. Uh, but no, I expect McElwain to play a lot more. He's going to open up things with the defensive end crashing down. He can come to the outside. You can. That'll take that makes it that much harder for a defense because they have to put a spy there and that opens things up in the pass and run game for him and yeah they'll have offensive back for every wide receiver except Jordan VC. they'll have an actual tight end either way because this guy he's one of my favorite commits in the 2018 class McAllen Castles great name yeah yeah he's actually named after the scotch oh wow so, He's 6'5", 225, he can stand to put on a few pounds, but he can be the kind of long athlete that they want. And he can, you know, they want an actual tight end who can play on the ball and be both, or on the line, and be both a blocking and a pass-catching threat, Where they, whereas this year they had one guy for each of them, and they didn't really use either of them too much. So you'll see more of the tight end, Excuse me. You will see more of the same run schemes that they do, except with the guy keeping it. You'll see RPOs. You'll see and a couple more deep balls just because D Rob's back. Wharton's faster than a lot of people think. He's also scrappy. He's Jim Rat. High football <laughs> IQ. <laughs> Squeeze them all in there while I can. No, no, he's he's a good football player, and he actually is on the top ten list for most receptions in a season yeah. after this year. Which you don't really think about how often he caught the ball. Yeah, and but he'll he'll be back. He's good. Conovise back, and he'll be underneath. And then there's a whole host of other receivers that have the ability to get better. So we'll see what happens there, but it. it there's another year of comfort, and they will be improved in all likelihood. Especially under Baldwin, it's so good to have that continuity there because some of the quarterbacks who've been in his system before, like Gage Gubrud, Vernon Adams, uh, I forget what the other guy is that won the won them the FCS title back in 2010. But they said basically, we need you need a year in the system before you truly get it. it Slows down to the point where you can make your reads just right, I—I th- I mean, it's worked against uh, Power Five teams, so it can work at this level. And I mean, a lot of the concepts are the run by everyone, but it can—you just need another year. So.
2: Andy, yeah, I—I I think Trace nailed it. I'd think back to let's just go to recent memory, the last two games and the plays that were. Maybe number two on my list of the most frustrating had to be when Ross was chased from the pocket and ran 20 yards backwards and threw it out of bounds. At least he's it, throwing
3: those out now,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? And you know, taking sacks that puts mm-hmm. you out of field goal position. Um, and I think the thing that you're screaming at, or at least I was screaming at the television, is just roll out the other way. Like you don't always have to just mm-hmm. roll out one direction. Like, and he just would. Never. He just goes go straight backwards. Yeah. And so, like, and then you look at what Arizona accomplished with Khalil Tate and how hard that is to defend against. Like, that's exactly what I was going to say. What I would expect from the offense next year is they found that they could build an identity with a run game that we didn't know existed, I don't think, going into the year. No. <laughs> and uh, I would expect them to continue to capitalize on that. I wouldn't be surprised if they learned a lot from that Stanford game. I think the time of possession was super interesting there. Because it, it felt like when we were driving down the field, like Cal could have run a near eleven minute drive to run out the clock in the game, and score mm-hmm. a touchdown to win, which is unheard of. Yeah, in comparison to where we were before. Um. So yeah, we need what we would need is some the ability to get a quick strike, a quick strike element to the offense. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure McElwain will be. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I also expect him to be the starter, but I haven't seen him nearly as much as you guys have. Yeah,
3: it, I mean, it could be Garbers. It could be Bowers again. Like, we could see Bowers start the year and have someone take over for him a few games in. I wouldn't be surprised to see that, too. But there's there's more than just McIlwain there. Yeah. Garbers, he could be a good quarterback.
2: Yeah. He's got some skills. I will say, I think Laird starts. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I think I love Trey to death, but I didn't I have watched three years now and i haven't seen any of the flashes that i've seen out of laird Laird's so good yeah. it was a pleasure to watch him run the football
1: the only thing for me that for laird was that if he had that if he had that one extra booster like if he yeah. had that if he had that one extra turbo button it would mm. he he would be so so good that's but, on him to put in during the off season this year yeah Cause that's the thing, he would break off and get into the secondary a, a ton. You see daylight. Yeah, but the only thing is, he couldn't get that one second more of separation mm-hmm. from that last defender enough to get him to the end zone. Yeah, rather than getting tackled at you know the twenty or the twenty-five after bursting from the forty-five yard line. Yeah, that's what so, Ohio State. That Ohio State game was last
2: night was they catch a pass and it was end zone. Yeah, yeah it was, and it was they have so nuts. many athletes there.
3: That's. Athletes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah,
3: but I mean that's not got to intact- have the athletes to be able to tackle. That's uh, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I remember sitting there in that press conference at the time and thinking, "Yeah, that sort of makes sense." Then looking back on it later, thinking, "What the? Are you serious, man? You just threw a whole team under the bus. No wonder they all hate you." <laughs> But it was horrifying. (laughs)
1: Uh, Man, I'm not talking into the mic here. I hope it's picking this up. Trace, let me ask you this. Of course, we know McElwain isn't going to be playing spring ball. No, he's playing baseball. He's playing baseball. He's a pretty dang good baseball player. Yeah, he's a good outfielder. But this is a side note. If you have nothing to do this spring and you don't want to watch Cal basketball, go watch Cal baseball. Because in the outfield, you got McElwain and you got Dusty Baker's kid, and (laughs) that's. (laughs) That's and a, I'll be heckling the crap out of him. Yeah. But it's going to be su- they're really. super. – they're going to be super fun to watch oh, yeah. in the outfield. And this baseball team looks pretty good in my opinion. So I I highly recommend that. But beyond that point, back to McIlwain. Does that hurt his chances of going into fall camp just because you, he didn't play this spring as well? Yeah. So does – I mean – you want – if you're going to be the starter going into the following season, you'd mm-hmm. want your guy to get as many snaps in as possible. Oh, yeah. Because he ran the scout team, if I'm not mistaken, this year. Him and Garbers ran it together, yeah. yeah. So and, you want him to be running our offense's schemes and the play calls yeah. and so on, right? So does, do you think that hurts him or – I mean, does I it don't not know. Matter? I mean, yeah, it obviously helps
3: a ton to get more snaps, to get more reps in there. I mean, but he's – He's one of those guys who stays a long time after practice. And when, while we're doing the uh, coaches interviews and the player interviews over to the side, he's he's been working with some of the tight ends like Ben Moose and uh believe converted quarterback Colin Moore. They they all work together after practice. And Jeremiah Hawkins is over there with him mm-hmm. too. He's just building it up. When I've talked to him, he's a very – he exudes leadership, I'd say. He's – Very conscious of how he's answering questions with the, you know, they're college kids. They they're 18 and 19 year olds, 20, 21 when they get older. But, you know, they don't exactly doing interviews is not something that comes easy to a lot of people. And it comes easy to him. He's a good talker. He's a natural kind of talker, easy to get along with, easy to talk to. So I think that'll serve him well. As far as getting to be a quarterback, and that's he's a smart guy. Let's just put it that. I think I I think while he should have more reps and the baseball deal will kinda of hurt in that regard, it could propel someone like Garbers to a starting job. I still
1: think he'll McElwain will overcome it. All right. Anything more to add on the offensive side? Andy, you good? I hope we get to see
2: Robertson for one year. Yeah, <laughs> we we haven't seen it really. I mean, we had a little bit of it, but um, I feel like we we almost we almost deserve it to a degree. So I'm just
1: really excited about that. And <clears throat> I just feel, and I'll I I don't know if we'll end with this, but I feel like at least for the offensive side of the ball, we do need to up the recruiting just a tad bit. Um, there needs to be some type of wow factor um, on the offensive side of recruiting. Like we we had it with D Rob, right? And that that year when we got D Rob and Stovall, like it was like the whole— and team. Jordan Duncan and Jordan Duncan. It was the holy crap, and we were in the running with A.J. Strickland, Brown and Strickland was those guys. in that class too, right? Uh, Strickland was, was the, the year before. before. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, Brown. defensively, we're going to recruit guys and they're going to coach them up, and it's going to be good. But offensively we kind of want mm-hmm. that one little star sparkle Yeah, Yeah. Uh, re- recruiting. And I think that's what we need going forward is yeah. we have D-Rob for one more year and that'll cover that. Right. But going into the season afterwards in terms of recruiting, we do need to get maybe just luck, like just luckily pull out one of those high four stars or five star offensive guys to, to come in and just mm-hmm. be that, that one little boost um, in the off season,
3: Yeah. I can actually speak to that a little bit if you want to close with this. Yeah, but if you don't mind. How they're building in recruiting right now is this year they're building on the lines because you have the five offensive line commits. You have the tight end. They're looking to try and bring in another tight end, I think. And they only have one ri- wide receiver. They only have one running back right now. They might get two. I'm... I'm not entirely convinced that they'll get to, but they could, you know, we're working with like four to six more spots left. So, but they're going to focus more on the interior on both sides of the ball this year. But in 2019, there's a ton of skill position talent. You got, I could rattle off a bunch of names. You got Austin Jones here at Bishop O'Dowd who's played running back for them the past two years. And he's gone over like 1500 yards each year. And you have guys, you have uh, Jake Smith. He's a teammate of uh, commit Slater-Zellers, who's uh, they're in Notre Dame prep right now. I think they won a state title last night. I haven't actually checked the score, so if they didn't, just cut this. Um, you have guys <laughs> like uh, Micah Pittman, who that might be a tougher pool because he's uh, the brother of uh, Michael Pittman, who's playing for USC. Uh, there's a ton of wide receivers and stuff in Southern California. There's Brew McCoy, who's uh, on that loaded modern day team that just won a just won a section title last night and is moving on to the state title game. Play is the uh, best friend friend of Nico Romigio and he's a very 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 talented player who might visit visit in January. So. They, they've got a lot of skill position in that class that they're going after, but for now they're sticking it in the inside and seeing what they have from the skill position talent right now.
2: How does that make you feel, Andy? I, I think it's a good strategy. If you looked at the team and said, where do we have talents, we definitely have those skill position mm-hmm. players. But I have one question. Is like, Have we seen the potential of Melky Stovall yet? Or, like, what should we expect out of Stovall? Because at first there was a lot of hype. Yeah. And now I am kind of so-so. He's pretty small. It's I don't know what
3: entirely is wrong with him because they don't really give out information on injuries. It's basically lower body or upper body, and he has lower body, which would mean, like, some sort of ankle, some sort of knee, something of the sort of hip. Yeah. Or Toe. there may be something, maybe something in his head. I don't know. Yeah. But it's a matter of he's certainly athletic enough. He proved that during his first year. Uh, it's just a matter of what injuries are plaguing him, if there's something in his head or not, and can they work through it if there's something in his head.
2: Who's the one player that would come up next year that would be on nobody's radar that might have an impact?
1: On the offensive side, offensive of the ball, side before of we move the ball. on to the defense, um,
2: it's a good
3: question. Let me think about this for a moment.
1: Do my, you have anyone in mind? No, I was asking Trace. Oh, no, that's what I am asking <laughs> yeah. you. Since we're giving, we are need we need to my, give him time to think. No,
3: my first thought would be Ben Moose. He's a tight end, six four, two forty,
1: Nebraska AD's kid, kid, former Washington State <laughs> AD's
3: kid. Thank you very much. Yep. And he's uh he's a big body. He's he noted to me, like, hey, we're going from a four-page playbook in high school to one that's this this big, like a 100-page playbook now. The numbers are approximated. He he just made hand signals, and I was trying to translate that <laughs> to the audio form. But he's big kid. He was starting to come around. He got hurt late in fall camp, which kind of stymied his development, which put him on the... Uh, on the scout team this year but i think he's the kind of big body big frame that can make an impact at that level so that's the one name i could think of otherwise it's me like i think uh will craig out of the granite rec- bay recruiting granite bay he could start on the offensive line next year
1: i mean he's de- i think he's definitely on the two D because you oh, already definitely. have us you you have all five guys returning yeah, so yeah but he's
3: really freaking good yeah
1: He's the highest rated
3: lineman you've had in 6 years. Wow. And he's the first uh, first lineman from the opening in Oregon to make the finals of that to come to Cal. So it 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 shows how much Cal needs linemen as they haven't gotten guys that are that highly rated and Greatwood is killing it. I am I would be if I were everyone listening to this, I'd be so glad that he's staying. I mean, I—I'll be honest. I figured he was gonna stay him and him and Chip. Apparently, apparently, he said no to Chip, and you don't say no to Chip.
1: He said no to Chip when they when he Wait, went to Philly. Philly.
3: Yeah, and Chip's like, eh, don't need you anymore. And <laughs> wow. we're like, okay, I'll take him. He's brought in three six foot seven, three hundred pound high schoolers yep. for one, and the other guys are like six four, six five, and two seventy, two
1: eighty. Yeah, so, he's also he was. Uh, just this week, take in a picture with uh, Chase Cota, who's a yeah. four star wide receiver this he uh, recruited
3: this his recruiter. daddy <laughs> he's gonna try and recruit his son, which you
1: never know, yeah, you never know
3: I, that could work out, and that could not I'm
1: but that's really that that family connection is really cool, yeah, to yeah, see the same guy recruit your dad and the son that must make you feel <laughs> old too. Crazy. well <laughs> super old
3: well the, the uh, what's his name Greywood recruited Wilcox's older brother, so they have that, that connection, connection too?
1: too, all right. Um, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Okay. I want your guys' reaction or thoughts on how the defense was this year, which I'm I'm thinking all of us are on the same page here.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, but, yeah, uh, should, you want Andy, you want to start this one? Yeah, the this defense one? was clearly
2: terrible this year.
1: <laughs> I would give it like an A, A-plus. I don't know. I was just thrilled.
2: I, I, you, you watch any other college football team and you see them struggle. Like I've watched a bunch of different games lately, K-State and just – just get mad watching them. And you're like, this is so below the level at which we've played at. And we haven't had we've we've all been clamoring for defensive proficiency for <laughs> a while. And um I would have never expected them to make a this big of a leap. Uh whether it's DeReuter and the disguises that he runs in the secondary or the blitzes that he's apparently willing to throw at most situations. I think if you look at one area, it just sort of felt like in the last couple of games, we really struggled getting pressure on the quarterback consistently. And in those situations, when Rosen got time, when KJ Costello got time, it really hurt us, um, particularly in those third down situations. So, But other than that, like I'd have to nitpick particularly in order to have too many complaints. I think we're completely set up in the secondary, um, particularly with our corners, um, you like the I think linebacker is an area that we'll need to reset in. Um, but we, you know, how would you not be a defensive recruit and look at this team and the way we play and how bought in that defense was all the way through the season and say, I, I wouldn't want to go to that school? So I'm not really, I don't have any concerns. And that's a pretty serious testament to the turnaround that happened over the last year, Drake. Yeah, so.
3: My thought process comes from that I saw the team kind of develop. Over, I watched the team very closely and thought that hey, this is going to surprise the hell out of some people how good they are on defense. But you know, when you see every individual step, when you see guys like Bynum making plays in practice, and he won their uh, they like their um, whatever it was, the DB competition where he is based on yeah, interceptions, yeah, yeah. forced fumbles, uh, third down stops, pass, pass break-ups. breakups. Bynum won it by a lot, according to uh, GA. But, no, I agree. It's, it's a big, big change that they've made. There's certain things where I know they have to get that are just physical limitations. Like, they have to get bigger on the defensive line. They're working towards that right now. They got Maffey, the 6'3", 360-pound nose guard. Who's sadly injured right now But they're gonna get him rehabbed And fixed up hopefully And they got a JC kid from Mount SAC Who's Lontona Twilo Isara I believe I got that right. Wow. <laughs> I've, right I've been working on these
2: That was so good I, I, still,
3: I still haven't figured out How to pronounce CU's name So I'm not even gonna try uh, they need to get bigger up front, and they're working on that in recruiting. They need to get longer up front. They're working on that in recruiting. They got Nick Alston, a guy I really like, out of Midi in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And But as a, as for this year, if we're focusing on this year, I thought that Devontae Downs losing him midseason affected the pass rush much more than we kind of thought. Because during that Washington State game, they did just fine without him. Kanashik and... Garen Brown, they did great. And they are two very good players. I am... I don't know. I You kind of saw this coming with uh, Garen Brown because he would be in the right place at the right time during practice. And he's been in the right place at the right time a lot during games. Like, he stuck Bryce Love a couple times early in that one. Yeah. I, you probably. could hear it up in the press box. Yep. And it's like, what is that Garen? My goodness. And he grew one of the greatest mustaches known to mankind. But... Um where was I going with this? Um you do need to there needs to be some more fixing at those spots. You, there needs to be more learning. You're getting cam both cams back, saffle and good. And by them really, three of them. You've like I realized this the other day. You have th- three different ways of spelling Cameron on this Cal team. <laughs> uh you need uh you need your linebackers to come back. You need them you need to restock the depth which they're doing there with a jc guy named colt dowdy yep and uh um, well zionde coming back helps too. zionde coming back will help a lot he was a beast during the spring last year and he he'll help replace looney and McCarry. they may have stumbled onto a nose guard and chris palmer during yeah. these past few weeks who yeah. i was very impressed by you got two freshman cornerbacks who played well for the most part you know the final game against UCLA aside, I think we Bynum can give Cam Bynum, Bynum a pass. Yeah. But DeRuder knows what he's doing, and he has Wilcox with him. I think that the loss of Jerry Azanero is going to be a bit bigger than everybody thinks. Just he was very good at teaching technique. He was beloved by the guys on the defense, and he was thoroughly entertaining to listen to if you went to a practice. Mm-hmm. Just an old dude with a Brooklyn accent who – swears like a sailor, and, you know, UCLA will be better for having him, but, you know, everybody else is still there. I, um, Alexander, Tuioti, deruter they're all great at teaching technique. Wilcox is good at teaching technique. They'll be fine. They're, they had a very good year, and they have something to build on now that they have a system in place of being opportunistic and Forcing turnovers, forcing sacks, and preventing long plays. Those are the three things that they focus on. If they can continue to do those, they'll be perfectly fine.
2: I think it's that. It's like your floor. Yeah. And can. then from there you add in you add a lot in more, more talent. They, yeah. And you start to say, okay, we're not just going to be known for preventing the long no. plays, but we're going to be known for like smash mouth or sacking the quarterback or pass defense. I mean, by the pass defense.
3: end of the year, if you look at it, you have uh, – You have a four-star transfer from Wake Forest. You have a two-star guy who I'm not even sure was a defensive lineman when he came in, starting in Chris Palmer. You have uh, Luke Beckett, who's a two-star. You have Cam Binomi, he's a three-star right there. You have, um, let's see, outside linebacker on one side was Ray Davison, who came in as a defensive end. Uh, you have a former walk-on and Garen Brown. You have a two-star JC linebacker and Jordan Kanashik. I'm not speaking into the mic, so I, figure, I hope this all picked up. <laughs> it picked up, but you just a, not as loud. You have a JC guy and Alex Funches, who wasn't really highly heralded. You have four-star true freshman and Elijah Hicks. Who, heralded. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> he's really freaking good. And you have Hawkins, who was an athlete coming in. And you have Ashton Davis, a former walk-on, who's, play, who's doing track. So, you think of the collective star level of that talent, not very high. And what they did with, excuse me, beers all carbonated and stuff like <laughs> beer should be. Uh, you have, it's a level that they've done this much with that much, with that amount of talent. And they can add more talent and experience and growth. Because a lot of these guys were first time starters, too. Yep. Like Beckett, uh, Funches, uh, Kanashik. Garen Brown, Hawkins only played on and off, and then the corners, everyone except Looney, basically, and uh, Devontae Downs and Ray Davidson for the year. So they got a lot out of what they had, and when they have more, they are going
1: to get more out of it. All right, so let's go to the predictive side of this. Okie dokie. What are your thoughts? For me, on the defensive side, you guys both nailed it. I mean realistically i'm looking back going we remember the dykes era's defense being bad right but i don't remember any specific instances like at all i just it's just as a whole it was bad right but now i remember plenty of specific instances but i don't want to waste another hour talking about them for me i don't but i i look at this defense and maybe because it's just fresh in my memory i remember a lot of the good things about this defense does that make sense yeah, maybe it's just because it's easier to remember good things than it is bad things. But I, I, I mean,
3: wholly disagree with that concept. <laughs> but go on.
1: But, but yeah, I mean, I'm I was ecstatic. Like as as both of you have said, if this is what they can do with this roster or that that too deep on that defensive side with all those guys, and I'm not saying those guys were bad, but they weren't exactly highly touted guys, you know, coming in and. They did that with that, and with, on top of that, a whole bunch of them were seniors who were, who basically had to learn a new system over a spring spring ball and fall camp, and then had to play that system out. Versus now, you're going to get in guys and being able to teach this system and teach the techniques for whoever knows how long—minimum three years, right? If you ha- if you want to jump to the NFL early, so three years of full off-seasoning day, like the the sky is the limit realistically for the defensive side of the ball and i'm super stoked for what's to come not just next year but just as long as wilcox is here how that defense is going to be built year in and year out so
2: i also think like to a certain degree i had so much fun watching this <laughs> defense play and i can't tell if it was because we had such a big lack of a defense, so it was just like I mean that's probably part of it,
1: <laughs> but that has to play a part.
2: I like just thoroughly enjoyed watching the defense play more so than I enjoyed watching the offense. I do enjoy watching the offense, but when boy when the defense was out there, it was just like way more exciting. And uh, yeah, the going back to a defensive minded football team just felt like it almost felt right compared to where we had been over the last four,
1: four years. years yeah um so let's move on to the predictive side of the defense all right how do you expect this defense to progress and what do you expect this defense to to do like uh, just as from an eye test not statistically or anything like that but just from the eye test do you how much better do you expect these guys to be come next year and any you guys want to start? Oh,
3: let's see. So who are they returning? It's basically everyone except James Looney and uh, Davison, and, Davison Downs. Right and, now. Downs. and Downs and Tony McCurry. Yeah. So you can basically say, hey, seven returning starters. Yeah.
1: Is Tartable yeah. coming back?
3: Oh, yeah. 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 He's a junior. He'll be back.
1: He'll be back. He just won't start. Yeah. It'll be uh-huh. Hawkins and Rambo, in my opinion. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's actually probably right. Yeah. Uh, but you know you have a lot of returning talent you won't have Allensworth back there which that'll be a loss yeah he he was he was a good steadying hand and he you know he knew what he was doing and you always need that from your I always thought he was over the past three years he was the best defensive back they had mm-hmm. and the. I mean, this year, it's debatable. I thought Bynum acquitted himself. I thought Jalen Hawkins might have been the most important player on the defense Mm, that you don't really hear about. But, you know, they're going to progress. They're going to improve. They showed a lot of growth already. And they're going to get bigger as far as the defense goes because you have guys like Karen Brown, who's made 220 pounds right now. He can get up to 230 or 235. And that's leaving out the fact that they'll have Evan Weaver in there, who's, a, who's getting another year to learn the inside linebacker position. And he was already flowing to the ball, making tackles, doing what he had to do in that regard. So you're going, you're going to get bigger. You're going to get smarter. Again, since they're focusing more on the front seven than the secondary, there's only one defensive back. Committed for 2018, they're going to focus on getting bigger and getting smarter, not necessarily faster. But they will have players, you know, that are capable of rushing the passer in the future. Funchis gets another year to learn. Cam saffel gets to come back and be a pass rusher. And Cam Good gets to come back and be a pass rusher and drop into coverage more. And, you know, they're going to get better in that regard. It may not be as big a jump as I think the offense will make in the next year. But it's going to be a considerable jump, like from like honestly, I'd give the defense this year a B plus. I think it could go from a B, B, a B plus to an A minus. So, whereas I, I'd give the offense a like a, a somewhere between a B minus and a C plus. I think it can hop from that to an A minus. So, wow,
2: mm. Andy, yeah, I think it's all about the relative, the relative jump. So you look at. All right, 124th to mid 60s. You're probably like you can't go. You can't jump to, to so one. one. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you can, like,
3: but you don't expect it. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I think uh, if we were able to have a defense that ranked in the top 40 uh, and take make that progression on offense, I think this becomes a team that wins seven eight games next year. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as players that are, that are returning, I think the biggest one, Rob, I'll steal yours because uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but you keep talking about Gabe Cherry and having him right, play right, a big right. role. Uh, I think that's – I think he's going to be a huge addition. I, the biggest thing for us as we go here is now is like everything that Trace just said and everything that you just touched on, all I think of is what Rob kind of said at the beginning, which is like another year of experience. And when I, what's the ceiling when you go and add on top of that. And, um, you know, the benefit of our defense is a lot of different guys saw the field too. So there's like, there's actual depth there and the next man up system worked extremely well. Um, yeah, I think safety is critical. Like if we lose, uh, like Hawkins was, was very, very good. Mm -hmm. So we really can't afford any injuries there, but, Barring any significant injuries maybe in in this at the safety position, I think we're we're very strong. So uh, what do I expect from the defense next year? It's like, yeah, some level of improvement. I don't think it'll be as much as we saw. We weren't we aren't gonna be coming away and be like, wow, but because we're gonna be expecting it. Yeah. So but if we if we do make that, like it's I don't know. It's part of me thinks like you look at this Idaho state game, there's games on the schedule you start looking at and you're like there's teams that may not score more than three points. I look at North Carolina and their offense, although it seems like they got better late in the year. But you look at that game after last year and say, okay, they're going to have an insanely
1: hard they
3: time They beat scoring. Pitt, who beat Clemson, so, or who beat Miami, excuse me. So
1: we beat Miami <laughs>
3: transitively. Yeah, we, we beat everyone transitively.
1: <laughs> yeah, comes full circle. Yeah, yeah. Didn't we beat Alabama? We beat Alabama transitively. I think it's like eight or nine nine separated. But... I don't think it's actually that much. So I
3: believe uh, LSU beat – let me think. I know this one. So I believe LSU beat Mississippi (laughs) State, who beat – or no, who beat Auburn? Never mind. I'll
2: think (laughs) about it later. Yeah, it's whoever beat Auburn. Who? was Was it Ole Miss?
3: Ole Miss did not beat Auburn. No, but did Ole Miss factor in this somehow? Yes. It has so, to be. There's and, no other way we can yeah. stretch up so It's the way like LSU. Cal who beat Ole Miss, who beat South Alabama, who beat Troy, who beat LSU, who beat someone, who, uh, who beat, beat Auburn. Auburn. So
2: and we play Auburn. <laughs> That's in a few years. Yeah, that wasn't uh, that was your definition of not complicated. <laughs> I, was like, I thought it was less complicated when it was Mississippi State. <laughs> we just mentioned Troy. <laughs> it's like Troy. Hey, by don't definition. mess with the Troy Trojans. <laughs> By definition, Troy's The uh,
3: college of former Cal O line coach, Sack So
2: Is he really there?
3: No, he's at uh Kansas still. Oh, all he's right, still at Kansas. Lycans left Likens I
2: always do uh Crutin, oh. I think of him. Yeah. Cruton. Yeah. season. Cruton never stops. Where's Lycans now?
3: Arizona State. He's uh, staying with them with uh I don't know if they've announced that Herm Edwards is uh I don't think it's official yet. Because today was supposed to be the day. So
1: it's funny because I, I one of the Arizona State guys I follow. Apparently, um, yesterday, the f- some of the football team members were honored at their basketball game, and people were like, "But no signs of Herm Edwards." <laughs> <laughs> I think they all kind of <laughs> expected Edwards to be there, but he wasn't. Um, if only. So yeah, uh, let's uh, let's give out our awards. All right, we have a uh, start with the offense. Our offensive MVP.
3: I'll let you guys go first because I think I'm, I want to pick somebody different than the obvious. Well, I mean.
1: I'll take the obvious. You don't you want to take the obvious? Take, yeah. Please take the obvious.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take Patrick Laird. He's amazing. He's so good. Uh, and, you know, like I expected a lot from Vic and Larry and and Vic played really well in that Washington State game. But besides that, he really has a problem getting bottled up for one or two-yard gains. And so, um, yeah, Patrick Laird was massive for us because if we were stuck with Vic at running back, I don't know what would have happened towards the end of the year. Um, so extremely valuable because of the situation with the injuries that happened, but also uh, the last couple of games putting up, dare I say, Javid best style numbers. Like we haven't had a running back that's top 200 yards since, since Javid. That was against Oregon State, I think.
1: Um. Yeah, he's the first thousand yard rusher since Daniel Lasco. Mm-hmm. Boom, big time. Nineteenth time it's happened in Cal's history, yeah. and first time
2: since Ron Gould left. Um, no, uh, oh, I Lasco. mean Lasko uh, yeah, was, was uh, Pierre Ingram. Yeah, he of infamy. <laughs> uh, yes.
1: <laughs> we all moving, just kinda, on. We, moving you know, on. We all kind of just looked in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, I'll go with my pick. My my pick would be have to be kind of I know. I think um, there were a lot of. I mean. Some people can say, well, he didn't perform later on in the season. Well, if you if you were to look at that in another in another way, the way he produced in the first half forced him to get that type of acknowledgement yeah. come the second half of the season, which allowed guys like Laird on in the run game or Vic Wharton on the outside to be able to get more space because they were zone. if if I mean I have one for you. Yeah. I mean realistically if you're looking at if you're looking at the Cal offense and your defensive uh, coach, you know, looking at your team, saying, "Who do you need to look out for?" Number nine on offense, as the as the season progressed, like that's the one number. Don't let him beat you. Let anyone else beat you. Don't let him beat you. And so it opened up space for the other guys towards the end of the season. So, for me, as as a whole, it's kind of I know.
3: Yeah, I have. There's an example of that during the Oregon State game during uh, Laird's first touchdown of that or only touchdown of that game actually, yeah. but. It was his first touchdown, technically, but uh, (laughs) so they had Noah in the slot there, and the outside linebacker on that play, he immediately drops back instead of, you know, reading his keys and checking if it's a run, and they had him go back, they had a safety keyed on him, and they had another guy keyed on him to kind of triangulate him, and, you know, he... He goes that way and Laird just kind of goes mm-hmm, and he's in yeah. without much of a problem yeah and you can see that influence and in taking and bringing guys in so it frees up VC and Wharton and Laird and all those guys but okay for my MVP I'm gonna go from 9 to 99 with Malik McMorris <laughs> he he allowed for them to do a lot of different things in the run game like you could see him kind of When they ran the zone read one way, he'd come back across the formation the other way to kick out the outside linebacker there and open up a cutback lane for Laird, which he used a lot of the time too. And, you know, he is reliable on third and one and fourth and one, just give him the ball and let him get a yard or two. And he, he he caught a very, very pivotal fourth down pass early in the season, caught the touchdown against Arizona, Uh, He I'm pretty sure he turned a guy into an accordion on a fourth down run against Ole Miss, which is probably my favorite highlight of the year. Just unbelievable the kind of player that he is. And he's someone that you can't replicate. There is no one else like him in college football right now. And that's a point that I made whenever we had a like exchanges of questions between different publishers for what I do, is that when they asked, oh, who who should we look out for? I basically copy and pasted the same section on Malik, the most unique player in all of college football. And I truly believe it, that he was of paramount importance to this offense and what they were able to do in the run and pass game.
1: I dare say I think he has an NFL future, and I'm going to say that now. Oh, I hope so. He he is the
3: nicest guy,
1: too. I think he does. I think that skill set that he has, I think some teams gonna t- they might not draft him early on, but I think some team might look at him and go, We need a fullback. Might as well try him out and then go from there. And catch the ball too. Yeah. Hey, nice. he's
3: good hands. Yeah,
1: great hands, soft hands. All right. Uh let's move on to our defensive MVP. Anyone anyone got one? C well, T guys first. <laughs> well now that Trace is Giving bringing you the, out um, these like <laughs> <ran>. obscure.
2: <laughs> That's really why I'm ones. here. You mean yeah. I can't go with downs? It's definitely downs for me.
3: Yeah, it's yeah.
2: definitely downs. Everything changed after you got hurt. I mean, everything. Like you look at it is like no gains turned into two yard gains, and those small differences made up the made up the game against mm-hmm. opponents late in the year. Uh, we talked about like basically his ability to read it faster than anyone else in the defense, and get to the running back faster than anyone else in the defense. And where did we struggle late in the year? We struggled against a run. Um, so, yeah, downs for me. It was, it was It was awesome to finally see what
1: Nam's been talking about forever. <laughs> and All of us have been talking about that forever. Every year we called him, this is his breakout year. It's mostly Nam, though. Yeah. He's
3: beaten the drum the loudest.
1: He and just then punctured the drum by it now it felt like oh, we totally. were
2: kind of like it like we had it and then it
1: just disappeared so fast and it was over it was like in a flash yeah and um it sucks we don't see him for another year yeah and that's and he'll just, get to the league oh he's definitely going to the league but it's just as a cal fan knowing how well he was like you know like the D, it's like the Rob thing right where he got hurt and we're like oh we're but we still got him another year we're so excited to see him next year we we just don't get the that that downs. we're going to say the same thing though yeah. If D-Rub
2: comes back, has an amazing year, I'll, I'll yeah. we'll be sitting here and yeah. we'll say, Well, yeah, it was great, but we wish we had
1: him. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You wanna go or should I should I say my um, pick? Go ahead. I'm still thinking. I think my defensive pick has to be the guy standing next to him, Jordan Kanosich. I think uh as as I'm only I'm also picking Jordan Konosic because I don't want to double Kanoshik. Kanoshik. I'm also I'm a stickler wanna, for pronunciation. Yeah. I don't want to okay, double I purposely didn't say his name earlier because yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna get it right. Yeah. I don't want to double down on Downs. Wow, I did not expect to say that. Okay. Okay, uh, but yeah, I think he played really well. Um he he played, I think, at least for me, in my in my view, he played a he played a backseat role when Downs was playing, which was of course because he was outplaying everyone on the defensive yeah, side. Yeah, that, that
3: was partially injuries. So yeah, He didn't come back until, I think, USC.
1: Yeah, but as the season progressed, he became more and more and more an integral part of that defense and was very good down the stretch. And I'm so super ex- stoked to see him play next year, too. Uh, because I would assume that he would take over the play-calling duties on the defensive side. I think he would have to be the guy with the mic in his helmet. Um, it, I don't maybe, think they do that. but They don't do that? Well, cause, I think that's NFL. No, they do have it because I remember talking to Garen Brown and he was saying how he was getting all the calls from Devontae mm-hmm. uh, later on in the season. And Devontae was helped him out a lot because Devontae was on the mic talking to Garen saying, hey, take another step to your left like in his stances mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, that's why I assumed that there was a mic in the in the headphones. Maybe, maybe. Um, but either way, I think he he's probably the most cerebral player on – on the defensive side that will anchor that defense at least for next year. He's going to – he has that experience now where he's going to be, you know, barking out the orders and the alignments and the switches and and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, he's he's definitely my MVP for the year.
3: Okay. I'm trying – I've thought about this a little bit, and, you know, I think I'm going to go with another linebacker as well and Ray Davison mm-hmm. because you don't often get a guy switching positions mid-year – Who's been a starter at this position, like a solidified starter at a uh, Mike linebacker mm-hmm. all year? And outs, inside linebacker and outside linebacker are very, very dis- different positions. Like there's so many different responsibilities. Uh, you have to rush the passer more as an outside linebacker. That's your main job in the 3 4 is pass rush and setting an edge. You don't have to set an edge as a middle linebacker, you just find the hole and try to hit someone. But outside, there's a bit more nuance to it, and he transitioned to it just fine. He provided pressure off the edge. He, there wasn't any noticeable downturn because of him being out there, and he made tackles. He, he had that interception during the Washington State game. That was kind of fluky, but still, you know, he made the play, and he allowed for guys like Kanashik and Jort and Garen Brown and Evan Weaver to play in the middle. Where they'll be for the next few years It's it's one hand Selfish, selfless Excuse me, not at all selfish And on another hand He still performed Well on the outside He made tackles and he Had a couple of nice sacks So I, I'd give him the Defensive MVP just for that
1: Alright Let's move on to most improved Offensive You guys have one? I have one I'll go first. Mr. Vic Wharton. Uh, okay. You stole mine. I think he, when D Rob went down, we weren't, we were unsure at that point who was going to be our stretch guy, who was going to be the guy that plays 20 yards downfield. And we found him in Vic Wharton. Whether mm-hmm. it was on out routes, go routes, slants, whatever we needed, he did exactly what we wanted. And he plays that position with so much tenacity. <laughs> that he you know he fights for every single ball he's trash talking in defender spaces he's faces. got kids man he's got to work <laughs> for that check but yeah it's uh it's 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 incredible um i know when he first came in in his first year playing you and i were both very underwhelmed with how he played especially with his punt returning we were very underwhelmed with and uh but he's featured prominently now uh, he's one of those guys that i'm as sure-handed as kind of I know in terms of if the ball's in his area he's going to fight for it uh, for every last inch of receiving the ball and the yards after the catch, so I'm, yeah, he's he's definitely my most improved player, um, just going from last season. But but then again, you look at all the wide receivers and who who wouldn't be after in terms of the numbers after what Chad Hansen did last season. So he took up pretty much the majority of all our targets and at least the plurality. Yeah, that's mine. Can I take an entire group?
3: <laughs> I know what group it's going to be, and my my most improved is part of that group. So maybe I should go first. Yeah, you yeah. go first. Okay, my most improved is uh, Jake Kerhan, right. Just because he is the, uh, you know, he is a true freshman last year, came in at about 6'6", 320, and kind of, you know, just a big dude who can sort of play football. And now he's a bona fide tackle in the Pac-12. And he... He started every game. He played extremely well. You know, the coaches were very, very happy with his performance. As a former Redwood High School graduate like myself, I have to give him props just partially because of that. But he played a lot better than I expected. He played in control. He didn't get beat as often as I thought he would. He got better as the season went on. He's a good run blocker. And, you know, that's why I'd give him that. And I assume you're going to go with the whole offensive line.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was, that was my cheap answer.
3: Yeah, <laughs> um, go for there it.
2: There wasn't anyone in particular no, going to single out. No, that's a perfect
3: thing to go for.
2: The, and they improved
3: as the season went along.
2: Yeah, their improvement was amazing. I mean, everyone was calling for their heads early on in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, oh, the O-line. And then I you know, remembered a bunch of my Oregon friends that always complained about their offensive <laughs> line. Um, Spoiled bastards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. So they improved both like absolutely running the football and then in pass protection as well. And then some of the design rollouts with Bowers helped alleviate their dependency, but it's an area that we can only get better in. So, um, you know, offense I think is hard to say most improved because it you could even you could make a really good case that Bowers is as deserving for that as anyone too because he was also able to improve from essentially a player that we were clamoring to see in games last year and didn't because of Sonny Dyke's arrangement with Davis Webb.
3: <laughs> I always figured it was that Davis would have killed someone if they put another quarterback in while they were
2: trailing. I figured it was some sort of uh, handshake deal.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
2: was like, I, I I must be seen on the, TV for this appear- the amount The world of time.
3: will never know. Like, <laughs> we're sure as shoe sure not getting that out of Sonny. No. Not out of Davis either. Man, man, oh man. Yeah, that's a good group to go with because you can see the... They played with mainly, I think, seven or eight guys throughout the year on the offensive line, and mostly seven because General Williams played a bit early, but it was mostly Ryan Gibson and Mike Safel, two guys who hadn't played before on the offensive line. So, go, And it was a group with 16 starts coming into the season. And you're playing with Pat McCary, who... Or yeah, Pat McCary not, got the right one. He had played every single offensive line position before coming to left tackle. You've Cam Bennett, who'd, who played both left tackle and left guard. You have Addison Ooms, who had former walk-on. You have Valentino D'Altoso, former walk-on. And you have Curhan, who's a big kid but needed to be molded into something. And they just, Greatwood meshed them together, and they worked. So that's everything you want on an offensive line.
1: Alright. Uh let's move on to I don't know what superlative we should move on to. Most improved. Oh, we did I most guess improved. We I know that's what I'm I'm like I was retracking in my head. I guess uh the last one I wanted to do with you guys was Unsung Hero. And this doesn't have to be Crap, I went with that for all my yeah. most valuable. This players. doesn't this doesn't have to be an offensive or a defensive player. I think just one as a whole, I think, will do. i have mine. Okay. Yeah. I think it's someone that I was thinking about giving previous
2: awards to is just James Looney. Uh, yeah, he's, he's someone who's been through this, through the ringer defensively. And I think he makes the game easier for everybody else around him. Um, and he creates that gets two guys, gets double teams and that frees somebody up. And, you know, Funches, who's been one of my favorite players to watch. Funches isn't nearly as effective if it isn't Looney disrupting everything up front. So uh, he also just has an amazing attitude, oh yeah, yeah, and I just that post game uh conference with him and Ray Davison after the Oregon State win on senior night mm-hmm. was one of the more special moments that I thought like happened the whole year. I remember walking out of that conference, like press conference and just being in a good mood for the rest of the night, mm-hmm. and uh so, yeah, he's my choice,
3: okay. I'll uh I'll go a little off the beaten path here and say Alonzo Vera, the long snapper, because after the spring they did not have any long snapping. The in the spring it looked terrible, and I can only remember maybe one bad snap all year, and that's because that was the last play of the Washington game, and that's because they had the a holder who hadn't practiced all week, and he didn't really catch the ball, so. But uh, Vera was a good snapper. I know they're bringing in Slater Zellers in this next year to be the starting long snapper, so there will be some competition there. But Vera did a very good job at a, you know, it's not easy to do. You have to be very consistent at it, and he was. And it's also, I think he's like 5'9 or 5'10, so you kind of see the contrast of all the big (laughs) dudes on the punt team next to him. He's kind of like if we're going into... Wrestling references He kind of reminds me of Taz Just kind of 5'8 and smaller than everybody But capable of throwing him around So He did a great job at his position this year And he should be respected for it
1: All right. I don't have an unsung hero I think the I guess the unsung hero that we don't ever talk about Matt Anderson I mean Mr. Anderson I mean, the guy is the the number one overall on scoring charts at Cal now. So, pass some good names in there too. So, bravo to that man. Bravo. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this. Bravo to that man. Um,
4: Sunshine.
1: (laughs) Sunshine. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Um, One last little talk I wanted to have before we end this, and this is a pretty long podcast. It's um, next season as a whole judging does this just i guess go with your heart don't go with don't go with your rational thoughts what's the floor for this team in terms of wins and losses and what's the ceiling for this team disregarding all rational thought 8 and 4 disregarding all rational thoughts 8 and 4 that's your ceiling no that's my floor oh that's your floor <laughs> i will, I'm not going to go that far <laughs>
3: I and think you said to disregard. Yeah, thought, that. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. With the way that the season's set up next year, eight wins is a very possible outcome. I don't think it's the floor. I think six or seven is the floor, and you could probably get convince me to get up to ten. But I think eight wins is probably what should be around the prediction for next year because you got you got a home game with North Carolina, you got Idaho State, and you got BYU. Those are three games that you can win right off the bat.
1: Another three and no start.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: And then you've
3: you can figure the schedule's configured a little bit easier. They're all Saturday games. Thank God. If yeah. Oregon
2: loses Taggart. Yeah. I mean, if Oregon loses Taggart, reset. that's a huge, huge, huge Chip please. Kelly yeah. I don't think will be in that first, that year? Good first no. year.
3: He'll he'll it'll take a little time for Chip and I believe Kel gets him like their sixth game of the season or yeah. fifth or sixth. I can't remember. They don't have. They have an earlier buy too. That's the big one.
1: The one game, and they've organ at home. Yeah, the one game that's a trap game to me on that schedule. And we'll we'll revert back to the original question: Is that trip to Arizona? Well, yeah, yeah. S- something about us whenever we play Arizona, and especially going back to Arizona. Granted, none of the guys that are on the team were on that team no. when we went to Arizona a few years ago. So no. there's not a, there's none of that revenge factor. No. The revenge factor was should have been when we played here. Just, Just a couple having of seniors
2: to play, Cleo Tate again
3: sucks. <laughs> <laughs> By that point, you'll hope that they've become experienced enough to kind of, you know, keep him in the pocket and keep him from getting out. But he is an explosive talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, but if 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 as you say, Brandon McIlwain ends up winning that starting position, when you, I'm I'm all on the McIlwain yeah. train right now. So if he if he does win it, then the guy when you know when you're playing elevens and you're playing that fastball and all that. They're gonna get a good look at that every single week in terms of the speed. Cause he's McEloween's pretty dang fast. Yeah.
3: I mean they used him to <laughs> show Khalil Tate, and for a while they actually had held Tate to his lowest rushing total until Oregon played them and beat the stuff out of him.
1: Yeah. So that's that's what it is, huh? The floor's at eight. That's what we're predicting. What's what's your rational thought then? Six. What's your eight? rational floor? Six, I think. Six? For floor? For floor? For floor, it's probably six. But,
3: you know, I, th- I think this team's going to be
1: a winning team. They have that attitude. All right, can I ask one more? One more addendum question off of that. What are the key wins from for next year in your prediction? What do you mean, define key? Like, you know, against SC. Or get, we win, get the, we get the axe back. Get the like, axe well, back. Do we, like, do we do all of it? Or are there a select few you that you think that we'll do for sure?
3: Get the axe back. Beat Chip at home, and um, I don't remember the schedule too well.
1: I think I'm going to go out on a bold, bold, bold statement see, here. See this? We beat all California schools. No,
3: nah, I'm not there no. yet. I think
1: I think we do. No, we're not beating. SC I think yet. we do. No, nope. so I'm wait, one more year. If Darnold leaves, you don't think we beat SC?
0: Nope. One more year. Yeah.
3: Take back the axe. Um, beat UCLA, and, beat Oregon at and, home, and uh, beat UW. Master has becoming a learner. Yeah, is
2: Browning coming back? We don't. Uh he
3: to. will likely. I highly like, doubt he's not he's, not. he's not but an you NFL quarterback.
2: UW ne- yeah, we might be able to beat yeah. UW next
3: year. We have a, a new hope situation with uh, <laughs> Wilcox being Darth Vader. Is it? A, is it a oh, I am hope? the master. <laughs> Only a master of defense, Justin. I yeah.
1: thought. I thought we were in the the Force Awakens era. No. I like that. I like those picks. Same choices. Yeah. I definitely think we're
2: beating Stanford. Okay. And I do think Washington's a winnable game. I don't think we're quite there yet. If KJ
1: Costello is the starting quarterback come next year, yes, we're beating Stanford. (laughs) Not like Jack West or. Well, they also don't have a running back. Yeah. Love leaves. He's a junior
3: right now. He could very easily go to the NFL, which I think he should. And Scarlett is a senior. Of course he should. And Ron Gould
2: should also come and hang out at Cal. (laughs) Ron Ron Gould, 10th assistant. Come on down.
3: Back. Eh, that was an idea I thought of. That could be the best. Floated. That could
1: be the best way to troll Stanford. Is that Ron Gold goes to Stanford, coaches up love so well that he goes to the NFL after three years, leaves for Cal, and leaves that <laughs> running back stable yeah, empty. Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> be great.
3: They uh, they've got some good backs there though, and and they'll always have good linemen under Shaw. Yeah, the only hope would be like Shaw takes an NFL job, which could happen.
1: Which could happen. Could let uh, so that yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up for us. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about just college football as a whole, uh, and I guess we can end with that. Is how about this coaching carousel? I wanted to start with this, but we got into the Cal stuff real quick. But holy crap, man! These last couple of weeks in terms of rumors and what the heck happened is just beyond ridiculous. Dude, I think
2: NCAA has a legitimate problem. I actually want to write an article about this. Okay. I think they have a legitimate growing problem with how uh, much the coaching coaches are getting paid. And you look at all of their arguments of like why not to play players, a lot of them stem around like you know, the logistics of it. But when a coach is signing an $80 million a year, a deal over 10 years, and the players are just as much of the product as the coach mm-hmm. you start to have some really weird mental gymnastics to have to make that work especially as a player it's like yeah. you hear those things about those guys up in Wisconsin that like barely have enough to be able to afford to get dinner and you know like the scholarship like it's just backwards in my mind it's getting to this point where it's ludicrous at the same time it's been by far one of the more enjoyable two week stretches i can imagine with just like the sheer mayhem that's been going on, and everything with Jimbo Fisher and baseball yeah. players,
3: and Tennessee, and Tennessee.
2: Uh, so. You basically
3: have a Game of Thrones situation with Tennessee, where they uh, they had a coup, basically with uh, Phil Fulmer taking over. Fulmer, Fulmer Which, led the coup, and they're probably you had a freaking WWE star say, "Hey, Greg Schiano is not of high moral character." And this is a guy who pile drove Pete Rose on live television and there's other things that he did that I don't think we can mention because I'm pretty sure Robert had to censor me out. But you know, <laughs> there's a lot of just the Tennessee thing on its own. There's like, you know, Jimbo to Texas A and M.
1: Even Oregon State's yeah. like up until they hired the I, the UW guy was like, where are I, they going with this?
3: Like, they had Baldwin, and here's my theory on what happened is ah, that, yes. you know, they're trying to keep him on the hook. Like, you know, we have this guy, but let's see what we can get further. And I mean,
1: he's a good backup plan. I mean,
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he is. But, you know, Baldwin did what any rational person on a hook would do. Say, if I'm not your top choice, then I'm just going to stay here, and I'm going to get another better offer next year. Because that's... That's what I think happened. I don't know that for sure. And Jonathan Smith is probably the right choice for them. He's got a little bit of what, what Wilcox brought to the table at Cal. He's, except for the fact that he's a former player. He's beloved. He's had a lot of experience under Chris Peterson, who I think is one of the best coaches in college football. And he, he can make things happen there. He knows the climate. We'll see what happens. I don't think it happens year one.
1: All right, we're good. How was that, gents? Was it a good way to end the season.
2: I liked it, cathartic.
1: Yeah, Woo. I think a lot of people were asking for this too. I think they, I know a couple of people that messaged on the boards wanting a, a wrap up to the end of the year. Yeah. So here you go, Trace. Your one okay. minute of all the plugs you can eh. get in as possible. Oh, here we go. Shoot. I actually want to hear this. I want to see how how good he is with this. Uh, crap! The, <laughs> the,
3: the initial buzz from the beer war. So. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, just, you know, we're at CalRivals on Twitter, cal.rivals.com. We are the, uh, you know, we're in the splurge of recruiting right now. We got a lot to, there's about me, let's see, they're sitting at 18 scholarships filled right now. So it's anywhere between four and six to fill. I've, I don't know, I'm thinking about a 22, 23 person class.
2: What's the um, class ranked currently?
3: Uh, as of today, 31st. Wow. Yeah. They were, for a while, they were actually ahead of Alabama. But that's, uh, the ranking algorithm is a little weird. And, you know, Alabama doesn't have too many commits, but they'll turn it on and get a bunch of different guys all at the end here. Because you know how much an Alabama offer means to a lot of kids. It's a big thing. But, yeah, we're in the splurge of recruiting season. We're going to cover the heck out of
2: it. Is there a particular... Alabama former or Tosh recruit that might want to come back to Cal? No. <laughs> We're not doing that today.
3: <laughs> Tosh is paid far too much to come back here.
2: No, 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 not Tosh. No, no. The person recru- the, uh, the person. No, he's not
3: coming back either. <laughs> come on. I'm, no, we, Najee <laughs> Harris is not going to leave Alabama right now for Cal. He could, but as I know, not now. But, you know, we're going to follow with all the rest of the recruiting. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're at Cal Rivals. If you want to check us out, check us out. I'm at Trace Travers 3 on Twitter. Contact me about anything. I really don't have much better to do right about now since, (laughs) you know, recruiting isn't as onerous as going to the games and doing all that stuff. But, you know, I still got to talk to Johnny Adams, who... Committed earlier, and he's um, going to be a good one for him. So, yeah. All right. Sorry that wasn't as entertaining of a plug.
1: <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. All right. And for us, you can find us on CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. Find me at Rob11HWNG on Twitter. You can find Andy at Andy J. Beast Mode. Um And you can find all our stuff at CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. we got some basketball stuff going up this week of course this podcast if you're listening to it and some other stuff so please be on the lookout for that and as always go
4: bears go bears whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network